Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, if you're guests here today, which, as I mentioned before, there are several of you here, we are in the midst of a series called Walking with Jesus Through the Gospel of John. And since the first Sunday in January, we have been going chapter by chapter, walking and working our way through the Gospel of John. Today we're up to chapter 14. So if you'll take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14. It's also in your bulletin. And then if you haven't downloaded our church app, and you have a smartphone, I would encourage you to download our church app. Uh, it has this, all the scriptures and all the notes on there, as well as opportunities for you to give. Uh, you can give online that way uh, if you, if, if many of us don't use checks and money anymore. But uh, if you're new here, don't, don't feel like you're behind. Each Sunday is really a standalone message. It, it, you can just pick up on it uh, as it is. But it does help to have a little bit of a background. So if you or any one of you have missed any of the messages over the last six or seven months, uh, eight months now, uh, go to our website and you can listen to it and also read the notes or you can pull up on your app and listen to it. But I encourage you to kind of catch up on those things. But today we are up to John 14, our message entitled, You Are Not Alone. Uh, and as we've heard before, we talked about the Holy Spirit. The reason we're not alone is because we, we, we as Christians have the Holy Spirit. But we need to be aware of that. We need to uh, uh, access that spirit that's there waiting for us in that area. Now, John 14, this, this is the last half, but it's sort of set with what we've done the last two or three Sundays. But all of you here, even if you don't have much church background, are probably familiar with the Last Supper, where Jesus gathered on the evening before his uh, trial, crucifixion, and death, and burial. He gathered with his disciples, and he began to share some things with them, some personal things that sort of some farewell words. You know, the, the last word someone speaks that, that, that has a consciousness to it uh, is important. And so Jesus wanted to make sure his disciples and then those who to follow had a clear understanding that number one, one thing is that they are not alone. Now, Jesus was still with them. Now, just remember, the disciples had been with Jesus really 24-7 for almost three years. They'd never really been out of his, his presence. In this chapter, we find Jesus beginning to tell some troubling details. He says, I'm going to leave you. And where I'm going, you can't follow now, imagine you are as a, a spouse or a parent, a grandparent, and your loved one says, I'm leaving, and you, you're not going to see me again. That's, that's pretty emotionally uh, troubling. And last week I talked about, you know, the first part of this, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So if you believe in Jesus and what he says... Jesus says, I'll never leave you and I'll forsake you. I will not leave you orphans, as he will say here today. But we have to choose that. So Jesus is sitting with his disciples, 
Remember, he's already washed their feet, which was a very strange and humiliating thing for uh, a well-respected rabbi to do. But he was trying to teach and model for them the, uh, the, the ministry of service. And then he goes on to tell them about how much he wants them to love one another. Now, not as they thought from the Old Testament to love, you know, as you love yourself. He said, I want you to love as I've loved you. So he, he, he raised the bar. Really before them, he said that what means to be an authentic and genuine follower is that you serve like Christ and you love like Christ. So with that in mind, we've been watching a little few-minute video clip from the movie Gospel of John that dramatizes this, this, this short section. But it kind of, uh, I think to me, it helps us to get a, get a personal encounter that we're there. Even though this was 2,000 years ago, the scriptures are just as reliable, relevant, and applicable today as they were 2,000 years ago. So let's uh, cut the lights and watch this little video clip here, and we'll continue on. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will stay with you forever. He is the Spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world cannot receive him because it cannot see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and is in you. When I go, you will not be left all alone. I will come back to you. In a little while, the world will see me no more. But you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. When that day comes, you will know that I am in my Father and that you are in me, just as I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. My Father will love those who love me. I too would love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, how can it be that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Those who love me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and my father and I will come to them and live with them. Those who do not love me do not obey my teaching. And the teaching you have heard is not mine, but comes from the father who sent me. I have told you this while I'm still with you. The help of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and make you remember all that I have told you. Peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. You heard me say to you, I need We're in this setting, we find the disciples, as I mentioned earlier, very troubled. Even though Jesus already said, let not charge be troubled, my peace I give unto you. It takes some time to settle in. All of us here have been in crisis situations in our lives. Some of you are going through some crisis now and troubling things. We hear scripture, we hear people say, you know, trust in the Lord, it's all going to be good. But it's still challenging. 
it's still something that we have to work through. And that's why it's so important that we continue, especially in sort of good times, filling ourselves with Word of God, with His knowledge and understanding and His teaching, so that we are so full and so aware of what the Bible teaches and who God is in our life that we're not caught off guard. If you have an umbrella when it rains, you're ready for it. Okay, bring it on the rain. But if you're not prepared, if you haven't have your umbrella, it's going to be challenging. Well, these guys were uh, feeling the pain. Now, Jesus was still with them, but he had said it more than once. I'm going to leave you. And remember, I said they had been with him 24-7 for three years nearly. That was, you know, talk about, there's almost like a codependency. They are dependent to be upon Christ, and they, they, didn't, they didn't think they could make it. But Jesus is saying, listen, you're not alone. Even if I physically leave you, you're not alone. You see, Jesus was trying to help them understand that this was the continuation of God's full revelation of himself to us. God created all the world and spoke them into being. He sent his prophets and teachers for thousands of years. Then he poured himself into human flesh and walked among us to reveal the truth. But now it's time for the, the next aspect of this, is that God's spirit will be available to everyone. You see, when Jesus was here on this earth 2,000 years ago, as amazing and marvelous and beyond comprehension as he is, he still could only be at one place at a time. So he could only interact with those that were around him or within a, an area. So when the disciples were saying, we want you to stay with us, don't leave us. Well, it's sort of half and half there. I would get, I, I'll, be, I'll be gracious to them. 50% of that is it's because they really love him and they just want to be in his presence. The other half is, is that they are scared to death and they don't want to be alone, and they're really selfish. I want you all to myself. Sometimes we do that with family and friends, or you want to steal somebody and, get hold and, and hold on to their attention. But you see, Jesus was saying, listen, you're being selfish by wanting me to stay here, because I can only satisfy you. Is that all that you, that you, that, that you want? But see, if I leave, that I'm going to send the spirit that's in me, I'm going to send it down, and every single person who believes in me will have the Holy Spirit. It will be as if Jesus is walking with you. And even better, it's within you. And that's a great thing. You are not alone. Even though Jesus has ascended to the Father, his spirit is here. And if you're a believer, it's in your heart and life. It's up to you to let him take control of your life and to operate fully in your life. The Holy Spirit, just like uh, you know, the, the, the Trinity as a whole, is not going to force themselves upon you. We have to choose to work in, in tandem and uh, work together in that. So, the Holy Spirit is a concept, but let's take a few moments here. I've got two slides here, and I want you to read this, if you can read it, if you can see it. This, I know it may be a little small. This is from our Southern Baptist faith and message. We as Baptists don't have 
you know, creeds and liturgies that we are bound to. But we do have a summary statement that has been accepted across uh, Baptist churches as sort of the sum- summary of the standard beliefs. And this is what it says about the Holy Spirit. So I want to make sure you kind of understand where I'm coming from, uh, not only as a Baptist, but as a b- biblical believing uh, Christian pastor. Every one of these has references to it. You can go to sbc.net and pull up Baptist Faith Message and it actually have scriptures listed there. You can read through and see that everything here is based upon that. But let's read this together to make sure we understand what we're talking about because one of the major reasons for this series is to get a clear picture of who Jesus is, not what we think or what some church has taught, even with a good intention. We want to know what the Bible states. And so this gives us a summary of what the Bible says about the summary of the Holy Spirit. So read it with me, please. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He inspired holy men of old to write the Scriptures. Through illumination, He enables men to understand truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and effects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, and bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer until the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of his statue of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. So that just kind of gives you a good uh, doctrinal foundation because when when I share messages, I want to give something very practical and relevant, but I also want you to make sure that you have a good understanding of what the Bible says, some good doctrine. We need doctrine. We need practical application. But we need to know what you believe because what you believe will influence what you think, say, and do. So it matters. And the Holy Spirit is the real power for achieving our goal of becoming authentic and genuine followers of Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, you will not and cannot become an authentic, genuine follower of Christ. You technically can't even become a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who convicts and draws and brings you into proximity with Jesus and his salvation so that we can be connected. So the Holy Spirit is that link and that source of power that sometimes we overlook. We need to access that, make sure that we're feeling comfortable and fully with that. So there's a whole lot that can be said about the Holy Spirit. And if you remember... I actually preached a whole year on the Holy Spirit in 2017. The whole year was on that. So if you missed it, I don't know if that's still online or not from 2017. But uh, uh, we did that whole year. But I'm going to summarize a whole year this morning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. A whole year, right? Devon, you want a whole year. But what does it mean to become an authentic junior and follow Christ? It helps us to have a new understanding, a new relationship, and a new power. So we're going to take these one at a time, the new understanding first, 
to know God. All of us want to know God. I think we would all say, you know, I'd like to know God. And, of course, to become an authentic, genuine follower of Christ, you have to know God first. You know, and so that understanding of who God is. People have been searching from the beginning of time to understand about God or what they may say some higher power or supreme being. Every culture somewhere is searching and looking for something. I told this little story several years ago, and you probably heard it before, but it, 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 it still applies. A little boy by the name of Johnny went to Sunday school class, and he sat down with his teachers, and they were all doing projects, and the teachers called him and said, come up here to the table and let's do this project. But little Johnny stayed back at his desk and was just feverishly coloring and drawing something. The teacher gave him a little time, but he said, Johnny, hey, you need to come join the rest of us. What are you doing over there? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. The teacher said, Johnny, nobody knows what God looks like. He looked up and it says, well, they will when I'm done. <laughs> well, you see, we all are looking to understand who, who God is. Well, God is revealed through his word. Now, I'm not talking about the word word. I'm talking about the Greek concept and the Hebrew concept of the logos, the word, the power, the wisdom, the insight. And really what it is, it is God's thought and process and will passed down to man. That's what we're talking about. We have the living word, which is Jesus, which is, the scripture says, he is the complete manifestation, the fullest manifestation of the Father. So the living word is where we get, is really the, the focus here. But, since Jesus is not here now, the written word, the Bible, is our main human source of access. Through the Bible, we have access to infallible and truth without error of God's inspired word. Teaches us all we need to know about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, about the word, about relationship, about faith, any subject, there are some principles that deal with that. So the written word is there to help explain the living word. But, to be honest, neither one of them are, 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 are worth anything. They're useless without the third. Because you can have the Jesus here and the Bible here. But if you don't have Jesus here and the Bible here in your heart, what good is it out there? Just to acknowledge that there's a Jesus and a word and to know about it, that's not what know means. This word know has the idea, it's actually the same word that's, that's used in human intimacy, where a man knows his wife and they bore a child. So that idea of connection, of knowing somebody personally and intimately, uh, of course in this sense there's no romantic aspect to it, but that, 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 that idea of closeness and fellowship. The third is the revealing word, and that's the, the, the key that, to this whole process. Now the Holy Spirit is not necessarily trying to draw attention to himself, because his purpose is to magnify Jesus, whose Jesus' purpose is to magnify the Father. So you see, it's all one, and they're just kind of broken down so we, in our limited understanding, can know who God is. The Holy Spirit's role is to be active in us, to guide us, to know God. And that is a vital key and a vital understanding of that. 
Now, in today's passage, John 14, 15 through 17, we find Jesus addressing this. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I, Jesus says, will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, it's possible to be in the presence of God and not really recognize who he is and recognize the Holy Spirit. You remember when uh, this same night, the Last Supper, one of the disciples, Philip, walked up to Jesus and said something that really broke Jesus' heart. He says, show me the Father. And Jesus, if he'd have been sort of a comedian, he would have said, well, duh, what's been the last three years you're walking with me? Are you blind or something? But Jesus is really heartbroken. He says, if you know me, you know the Father. But you see, they had been so caught up in their traditions and their own belief patterns, they couldn't open up their eyes to the fullness of who God is. They knew God, but they knew him as this little bitty neat package that's understandable and controllable. But I want you to know something. God is not some neat package that's controllable and manageable. God is beyond understanding. And that's why he uses the word and scriptures of the Holy Spirit to help us understand that. And he's saying with them, listen, you're going to know God. Just like you've been knowing me, if you just think about what you've learned from me, then you know the Father. Now, again, Jesus was saying, I'm leaving you. So if, you, if his presence is not there, then logically you can understand why the disciples were stressing out. If you're not here and your presence is not here, how are we going to know, know God? Because you're our connection. Well, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to give you another counselor. Now, that word counselor is actually not complete. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not complete. The Greek word is parakletos, which is the idea to pull alongside. And it was used in a number of understandings. Uh, and we'll look at some of those later. But Jesus is saying, listen, I've been with you and I've been your paraclete for three years. Walking with you, I'm alongside you, guiding you, directing you. But listen, I'm going to give another. And that word another in the Greek means another of the same kind. So another paraclete, just like me, will be me in, in spirit in your hearts. So don't worry. I won't be there physically. But spiritually, I will be with you and every single person at every corner of this planet. You will never be alone. Jesus said in one of the next couple of verses, I will not leave you as an orphan. All of us understand and have experienced loneliness and aloneness. Some of us going through that maybe even now. But I want you to know something. No matter whether it's a a loneliness in a marriage, in a family situation, in your job, in your, in your heart, your dreams, your vision, maybe a health issue. You are not alone. You are not alone. Don't let the devil and don't let your conscience drag you down with that. The Holy Spirit is there. It's just as if Jesus was walking with you with all the fullness of his power. The same aspect of that. Okay, let's move along. Not only do is there uh, uh, 
uh, a new understanding to know God, there is a new relationship to love God. How to love God fully. Now, we'll pick back up with verse 15. Now, these, I just took various verses, verses out of there, 15, 21, 23, 24, 28, and pull it together to show this idea of what Jesus was sharing with them, giving them understanding so that they would know, have a foundation upon which they could base their beliefs. Those beliefs then could help strengthen them through the tough times ahead. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. The one who loves me and commands, who loves, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and reveal myself to him. That's the knowledge part. If anyone loves me, he will keep, obey, continue in my word. My Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. So we'll know him and we'll have him in his presence. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. Verse 28, you have heard me tell you I am going away and I am am coming to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. In this, uh, it it just shows uh, that as I came across in this commentary by Barclay, he kind of mentions it well. In John, there's only one test of love and that is obedience. It was by Christ's obedience that he showed his love for God, and it is by our obedience that we must show our love of Jesus. C.K. Barrett says, Jesus never allowed love to devolve simply into sentiment or emotion. It is always expression that is moral and revealed in obedience. You can say you love somebody all day long, but it means absolutely zilch, nothing if you don't put that into practice. If you're not being obedient to God's will, obedient to the relationship with the other person and that you're respecting them and that you're honoring them and you're doing the right things, you're not loving. You can call it something else, but you're not loving. And you can't say you love God if you're not being obedient to his word. You're not going to be an authentic and genuine follower You may can accept Christ at one point in time, but you're going to lose your fellowship. You're going to lose the power, the intimacy of that relationship. It would be just like being separated from a loved one at a distance. We've got to be in his presence. We've got to love him with all our hearts. You see, these two really kind of almost, uh, almost put you into a circular reasoning concept. To know God, you've got to love God. But to love God, you've got to know God. So is it, which came first, chicken or the egg? Well, we all know that the chicken came first because God created all animals and they went from there. But in the idea here is Jesus reveals to us through himself and through his Holy Spirit, he reveals to us a general knowledge of God and his expectations. Then, He, in essence, metaphorically reaches out a hand and says, grab my hand, and I'm going to guide you into this relationship, and I'm going to pull you in. You can't find your way. It's as if you're blind out there, but you're hearing and you're feeling this thing, but you can't quite find it. The Holy Spirit reaches out and says, take my hand. Trust me, and I'm going to walk with you and bring you in. And that's going to create the loving. Think of yourself. Many of you are married or you have children or you're in a family. 
the more you know someone, to get to know them, the greater the potential of your love and respect for them. You know, because you can only love as much as you know. Because anything beyond that is just sentimentalism and emotion. But when you know somebody, that's why sometimes those who have been married many, many years, that love is deep and rich, and it's moved to a, a different level. And that's the way with God, we need to spend time with him, know him, love him, obey him, and we're going to find ourselves becoming deeper and deeper in love with him and obedience to him. And then lastly, a new power to walk with God by the Holy Spirit. Now, as I mentioned, we've been kind of talking about the Holy Spirit, but with the idea that because of the Holy Spirit, we're not alone. Therefore, don't be troubled. Be at peace. But let me just give you, I came across this in reading a book by Ray Stedman, six remarkable facts. And again, just to give you a little bit more doctrinal understanding of this. Facts about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit will be a gift from the Father to true believers. That means the Holy Spirit is only with believers. Not everybody has access to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he will be another paraclete. And that word paraclete, you can use all these words sorted together. Counselor, advocate, comforter, strengthener, helper. One called alongside. Uh, all these aspects. So I'm going to give you another one. Like me, I'm going to give you another. And he will continually be an abiding presence in your life. You see, some of the disciples, not all of them were with Jesus 24-7. Some of them went away for a while or were here and there. But in this case, we're never separated from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Number four, because he's going to be with us as a caller alongside of us, he's going to be a revealer of truth, genuine truth. He will be unavailable to the unbelieving world. As I mentioned earlier, the non-believers can't know the Holy Spirit. That's why so many people read the Bible, but it just doesn't make sense to them. Because you, you, can't read, you can't have understanding of the Bible without the Holy Spirit. Because it works together with the Holy Spirit, with the, with the, with the written word, to help reveal you to the living word of who Jesus is. And then the, he will be known to you and will live in you. So it's that personal idea. We have to make a choice to recognize his presence in our lives and to acknowledge him in that way. Now, this actually is a summary of 12 weeks of messages uh, back in 2017, these words. But I just wanted to pull them together to kind of give you just a quick little chart to see of the immensity of this paraclete, this comforter, and the great gift that it is. He creates. He reveals truth. He convicts. And many of us may think of conviction as a negative thing. But you know what? Without conviction, we'd never be saved. Never. Conviction is a beautiful gift from God to cause us to see our error so that we could reroute our path to truth and life. Now, conviction can also, if you fight it, can be miserable, as we most all of us here have probably dealt with that in, in, under conviction. But after, you, you, after you're convicted and you believe, then the Holy Spirit is the actual regenerating factor. It's what makes us a Christian, is the Holy Spirit coming in with us. Jesus Christ did the physical work on the cross, and then theologically his blood that was shed is the resource. But again, Jesus dying on the cross does us no good if we don't receive it. And we can only receive it by through the Holy Spirit. 
That's the beauty of it. He regenerates us. He abides and dwells within us always. He fills us with power. Therefore, we are transformed and can be sanctified. Now, don't get scared on the word sanctified. It just means to be set apart, to be fully, wholly committed to something. And that's what God wants from us. This is a good one I think you'll like. Giving us victory over fears, temptations, and sin. You know that you're never alone. Whatever situation you're walking into, some of you are walking right now in some tough situations in your marriage, your family, your finances, your health, your relationships. The very same God who created all the universe, the same Jesus who brought that dead to life, is walking and working in you, dwelling within you. No matter what health or relational issue you face, face. You're not alone. And the creator of the universe is there to give you full and complete support. So why? Now you understand why Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. We've got to make a choice about that though. And then lastly is gifting us and sending us on a mission. The Holy Spirit actually is the motivation for evangelism and missions. He gifts us now, we, we did that back in 2017. I did a whole eight, six or eight-week series on spiritual gifts. And we've actually had a couple of spiritual gifts class here. So we all understand that there are spiritual gifts that are given to us. Every Christian at salvation gets at least one, maybe several, that are you. That's, that's gifts of the Holy Spirit to help us accomplish God's will for our life. So we are gifted and then we're sent on a mission. And the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us. Remember uh, the New Testament... Paul was dreaming in a, uh, in a dream, and a guy from Macedonia said, Come over here. Well, that's the Holy Spirit working in that situation to reveal to him. And we need to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance in our work, our efforts, our ministry. Because many times Christians go about church work rather than the work of the church. We're just doing stuff. Doing stuff may be nice, but it's not... All. So, he gives us that Holy Spirit. So, the takeaway here as we close is that because of the promise of the Holy Spirit, we no longer are alone. And authentic and genuine followers of Christ, use this to evaluate yourself. You know God, you love God, and you walk with God through the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads Close your eyes. Move into a time of reflection and commitment. This is a time where Pastor Adam and I will stand here at the front and maybe there's some decision or something you'd like to talk or share about. Maybe you're a Christian and you just want to rededicate your life. Maybe you want to come join this church or come for baptism. Or maybe you just want to pray. Maybe you want to come in the altar and pray. But also, it may be that you need to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I encourage you to come down here. Talk to us. We're not going to embarrass you, but we'll pray with you and confirm that salvation experience and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard in the message or read in the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. 
Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.